Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. You can learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com or download our free Living Truth app. Now here's the conclusion of Pastor Michael's teaching in Job chapter 15 called Redemptive Suffering. Eliphaz says, your guilt teaches your mouth Verse five, and you choose the language of the crafty. You're being crafty, you're guilty. Your own mouth condemns you and not I. Your own lips testify against you. New Living Translation says, your sins are telling your mouth what to say. Your words are based on clever deception. You're cunning and crafty. Do you know the word for crafty there is the same word used of the serpent in Genesis 3, 1, that he was more crafty than all the beasts that the Lord God had made? How could Eliphaz say that to Job? I thought he was supposed to come and comfort the guy. Have you ever noticed people who are supposed to be your comforters can quickly become your critics? It can happen very rapidly. I thought your intent was to come here and bring me comfort. And it can turn into criticism. You see, he's saying, Job, you're being deceptive. You were, he says, were you the first man to be born? Look at verse 7. Were you brought forth before the hills as though before creation? Do you hear the secret counsel of God and live it wisdom to yourself? Nine, what do you know that we don't know? What do you understand that we do not? Both the gray-haired and the aged are among us, older than your father, you whippersnapper. All right, it's time to pull rank with you, young man. You see these gray hairs? I've earned every one of them. <laughs> Each one of them represents a root of wisdom. <laughs> a root, uh, never mind, anyway. <laughs> I've got shoes older than you, boy. <laughs> I remember one time I was at a friend's house, we were in high school, and this guy was selling door to door, and one of my buddy's friends was quite a comedian. Uh, one of my buddy's friend's father was quite a comedian. And the guy said, hey, if you buy this product today, I'll give you a fly swatter. <laughs> the dad looked at the fly swatter and goes, man, I got flies bigger than that fly swatter. That's kind of what Eliphaz is doing here. He seems to be the oldest. He's pulling rank. And sometimes, of course, it's true that older people have wisdom, but sometimes we think that just because we've been around a while, we know everything and we don't. The listening has to go both ways. So the rabbis questioned Jesus and they said, we've got tradition here. We've got the tradition of the rabbis, the tradition of the fathers. Where'd you come from? What school did you go to and by what authority do you do these things? You see, every time I mention Jesus, Jesus is the greater Job. Are you with me? The people that should have been Jesus' comforters became his critics. When he needed the apostles, they were busy arguing about which one of them was the greatest. They had tunnel vision. He says, are the consolations, 11, we'll move quickly, or the comforts of God too small for you? As though the words we spoke to you must be from God, Job. Even the word spoken gently with you, I started off gently, but that's gonna change. Buckle your seatbelt now. Why does your heart carry you away? Why do you, 
Why do your eyes flash as though Job was winking at their wisdom? That you should turn your spirit against God and allow such words to go out of your mouth. Eliphaz believes, obviously believes, he's been speaking for God and Job can't possibly. Where's your reason? Where's your vision, Job? Why don't you understand? Has Job turned away from God? Remember, I've told you in little snippets in the book that Job continues to be a worshiper of God even in his doubts and questions. Turn all the way to 42 of Jap- uh, uh, the book of Job. Job 42. All right, we're gonna show you a little bit of the end of the story you, so you can see who was speaking for God and who wasn't. Look at Job 42. Look at verse seven. Job 42, seven. It came about after the Lord had spoken these words to Job that the Lord said to, to Eliphaz the Temanite, 42, seven. That's the guy in chapter 15. My wrath is kindled against you and against your two friends. And Eliphaz said, uh-oh, <laughs> because you have what? Not spoken of me what is right as who? My servant Job has. Now therefore take for yourselves seven bulls and seven rams. Go to my servant Job and offer up a burnt offering for yourselves. And my servant Job will pray for you for I will accept him so that I might not do with you according to your folly, the opposite of wisdom. Because you have not spoken of me what is right as who? My servant Job has. Do you know that God doesn't fully restore Job until after he prays for his critics. Hmm. Back to Job 15. God doesn't restore Job until he prays for his poor comforters. Could it be that there's a block in our lives, spiritually speaking, because we're so busy criticizing instead of praying for people that we're criticizing? Hmm. Is God waiting until our heart changes before he pours out a blessing? Job 15, 14 says, what is man that he should be pure? Eliphaz continues to address Job. Or who is born of a woman that he should be righteous? Behold, he puts no trust in his holy ones. He's speaking about God. And the heavens are not pure in his sight. How much less one who is detestable and corrupt, man who drinks in iniquity like water. What do you think Eliphaz is saying? He's saying, Job, you are detestable and corrupt. You drink in sin like people knock back a glass of water on a hot day. Ouch. All God's people said, ouch. You see, Eliphaz cannot conclude anything but this about Job because there's no way that Job's suffering can be anything but unrepentant sin. Everybody understand? And so because that's true, and because Eliphaz could only see things through this worldview, his religious worldview, he cannot let Job off the hook and consider any other idea. And so he has to say, Job, you're a terrible sinner. Now he'll paint a picture of a, un, an anonymous wicked man, but, but he's certainly talking about Job He says, I will tell you, listen to me, 17. What I have seen, I will also declare. What wise men have told and have not concealed from their fathers. This is tradition, tradition. To whom alone the land was given, no alien passed among them. The wicked man, here's this anonymous wicked man, rise in pain all his days, kind of like you, Job. 
And numbered are the years stored up for the ruthless, sounds of terror in his ears. I wonder how many times Job replayed the bad news from the, the people who came and told him about the next calamity. While at peace, the destroyer comes upon him. Job will say in chapter 16, verse 12, take a peek. He says, I was at ease, all was well with me, 16, 12, but he, God, shattered me. He has grasped me by the neck and shaken me to pieces. He has also set me up as his target. In 15, 21, uh, Eliphaz says to Job, while at peace, the destroyer comes in suddenly. The anonymous man is you. He doesn't say it, but that's what he means. 22 of chapter 15, he does not believe he will return from darkness. This wicked man, he is destined for the sword. That's how Job feels right now, that he's heading for the grave, no turning back. He wanders about scavenging for food, saying, where is it? He knows that a day of darkness is at hand. Distress and anguish terrify him. Imagine how many terrible dreams Job had as he talks about nightmares in chapter seven, verse 14. Sounds that he replayed of the bad news and maybe the falling of the roof. He imagined hearing it upon his children. They overpower him like a king ready for the attack. If you've ever been through a wave of uh, bad seasons, uh, when things stack one upon another, you start to expect something bad to happen around the corner. Everybody, anybody ever been there before? It's like, okay, when's the next bad thing gonna happen? Don't they happen in threes or in my case in 70s? <laughs> it's just around the corner. It's like a king ready for attack. It's coming. And you know what that does to our emotional stability? When we start thinking about just the next thing that goes wrong and our self-talk and even our prayers become skewed, we become very unhealthy people. We've all probably been there before where we realize, man, my self-talk is every other word I say to myself, I'm calling myself an idiot. Why did you do that? What were you thinking? This probably happened because you did this 75 years ago. That's why the chickens are coming home to roost, right? <laughs> And we do this to ourselves, and Job was there. But Eliphaz had to turn the knife in. You feel like a king's ready to attack you because he has stretched out his hand against God. Here's why this happens to this anonymous wicked man. He's, he's against God. He conducts himself arrogantly against the Almighty. He rushes headlong at him with a massive shield. He doesn't have a shield of faith. He has a shield of quarreling with his maker. That's why this happens to this quote-unquote anonymous man. He has covered his face with his fat, 27. <laughs> Another ouch. And made his thighs heavy with flesh. I was, <laughs> I was listening to... Brian, I think it was Brian Regan. He's a very funny, clean comedian. He says, the doctor is the only one who can spend five minutes with you and get away with telling you that you need to lose 40 pounds. You know, oh, and by the way, one more thing. You need to lose weight. <laughs> He's like, only your doctor can say that to you. Well, Eliphaz says that to Job. He says, this anonymous wicked man, it's obvious by the way he looks, what he's been doing. One too many donuts on Sunday morning. <laughs> Eyes are showing how he's been living. Physical condition describes a spiritual life. He's undisciplined. Remember, this is Eliphaz talking to Job. 
implying you're in this condition, Joe, because you did it to yourself. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Producer Rob Newton here, and on behalf of Pastor Michael and the Walk in Truth team, thank you so much to our financial and prayer partners. Whether you have given a one-time donation or you have become a monthly partner, you have contributed to our mission to reach out with God's truth to all people and helping listeners like you apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. You've heard that before, right? Well, we mean it. Thanks to our financial partners, we have added three new radio stations this year. Our prayer is to bless our new listeners the way we have hopefully been a blessing to you. If you're a long-time listener, would you please consider becoming a $5 a month partner? That may not seem like much, but every little bit makes it possible for us to continue our broadcasts, podcasts, and free apologetic events. Please become a partner giving at least $5 a month. Visit walkintruth.com to donate or call 844-48-TRUTH. That's walkintruth.com or call 844-48-TRUTH. Thanks for tuning in to Walk in Truth today. Did you know there's more where that came from? Download the Living Truth app to listen to more of Pastor Michael's teachings whenever you want. You can even watch videos. And if you're local to Southern California, you can get updates on church events, new studies, and more. Download the free Living Truth app today. We'd love to see who's listening. So please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walk in Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. On Sunday morning, (laughs) thighs are showing how he's been living. Physical condition describes a spiritual life. He's undisciplined. Remember, this is Eliphaz talking to Job, implying you're in this condition, Job, because you did it to yourself. You've done something wrong, just admit it. He's lived in desolate cities and houses no one would inhabit, which are destined to become ruins. Think about Job. He lost everything the house fell on and his children. He will not become rich. Job lost his estate and his wealth, nor will his wealth endure. His grain will not bend down to the ground. He will not escape from darkness. The flame, remember lightning came down in Job 1.16 and destroy Job's property. The flame will wither his shoots, and by the breath of his mouth, he will go away. Let him not trust in emptiness, deceiving himself, for emptiness will be his reward. It will be accomplished before his time. His palm branch will not be green. He will drop off his unripe grape like the vine. Before anything ever ripens in his life, it will fall down. It will cast off his flower like the olive tree. He won't become what he should have been. That's you, Job. For the company of the godless is barren, and fire consumes the tents of the corrupt. They conceive mischief and bring forth iniquity, and their mind prepares deception. That's why in the next chapter, you're going to hear Job say, you miserable comforters. You sorry comforters. Instead of throwing a blanket of grace on my life, Job will say in the next chapter, if, if it were reversed, I would have come to you and attempted to bring comfort to your life. You know what you've done to me? You've brought more misery on me. You've kicked me while I was down. Next week, we'll look at a message called True Comfort and how we can be better comforters. Well, I want to tell, tell you that at the end of the story, And I'll just point this out because I've already said it. Uh, Job was so prosperous before the calamity 
Now it's as if, as if the unripe grapes have fallen off the vine before they ripened. Barrenness is the destiny of the wicked. But we know Job's story, and as hard and difficult as it is, it will not end the way that Eliphaz says. Job will be doubly fruitful, and interestingly enough, God will restore him after he prays for his poor comforters. Job 42.10. Job will be restored at the end of his life. Uh, he will be an old man full of days, Job 42.16. And I want you to imagine for a second that you had a chance to talk to Job after everything was restored back to him. Imagine the wisdom of Job after he went through this. Now, I'm not saying I understand why God put him through this. I do think it's for our benefit. But can you imagine seeking out the wisdom of Job after this season of his life and asking him about spiritual truth and mysteries and faith? Could there be a better counselor than Job? Could there be a man that understands faith better than Job? I think not. You say, why do you bring it up? Because perhaps God's doing something similar in your life and mine. Perhaps God has allowed you to go through a season so that you might be even more effective as a comforter and counselor to others. I'm not trying to explain the why because I don't understand the why of everything. I'm just trying to tell you about the hope that we have. The good news is that the greater Job did come. Would you pray with me? Jesus, thank you that you arrived on the planet. Knowing that you would suffer for us, you made a decision somewhere in eternity. You decided to suffer for us, to be an innocent sufferer, uh, to take the wrath of God in our place, to love those who were in rebellion to you, those who would criticize you, argue about which of them would be the greatest, reject you, though you were the Messiah, and you came on a rescue mission. You are the greater Job, and Job is a foreshadowing of Jesus who would come to rescue his people through redemptive suffering. Father, I confess it is a hard concept, but the book of Job is here to teach us that there are layers of our walk, there are things that you are doing in the heavenlies that we don't always understand. I wanna pray for the dear saint tonight who's got big question marks in their soul and they're hanging on for dear life, trying to hang on to their faith even when they don't understand. I pray that you would walk them through this hard season. Restore back to them the years that the locust has eaten. Bring everything back doubly to them, Lord. I know that didn't remove all of Job's hurt and pain but I know it showed him in the end that you are a God who does restore and that he would find his answers in the face of his God. If you keep your head and heart bowed, if you've not met Jesus as your Lord and Savior, this would be a great time to reach out to him, maybe even in a moment of suffering, to say, Lord, would you save me? Teach me to follow you in the good times and bad times. If you need to rededicate your life to Christ and you've been Maybe a few things have hit your life and caused you to take a little detour and you want to get back to where you need to be. He's available to you right now. And if you're a, a saint going through suffering and 
You've, stead, you've stayed steadfast and immovable, but you're hurting. I pray that the Holy Spirit would minister comfort to you tonight. He is the comforter. And I pray that he would minister to your life. And if you are, if things are going great for you and you're just enjoying the ride, praise God. I pray that when a season of suffering does come, this will help prepare you in advance not to be blindsided and not to think that God doesn't love you anymore because things are not the way that they used to be. Lord, in a room like this, you know every heart and I pray that you would be working and weaving out your master plan in every one of our hearts as we humble ourselves before you. We're gonna come to the table, remember our great Messiah, the greater Job, the innocent uh, sufferer, who became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. As we come to the table, <clears throat> I pray that you would remind us of your great love for us. Pray that you would uh, refresh as we come to your table and spend a few minutes meditating on your goodness and your love and our faith in you. And I pray you bless each one that comes in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to Redemptive Suffering Part 3 on Walk in Truth. And that was the conclusion of Pastor Michael's teaching in Job chapter 15. If you missed any part of today's program, you can listen to Walk in Truth on our free Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, we would love to connect with our listeners. That means you. You can send email or you can send Pastor Michael and the team a letter. You can get all the contact information at walkintruth.com. That's walkintruth.com. But our email address is contact at walkintruth.com. That's contact at walkintruth.com. And here's our mailing address. Are you ready? You can write Pastor Michael at P.O. Box 2063, Corona, California, 92878. That's P.O. Box 2063, Corona, California, 92878. Now here's Pastor Michael with a final word. You know, the book of Job is filled with rebukes from so-called friends and a man having to receive rebukes, even though he knew he was really innocent. He didn't deserve God's discipline, uh, but there was something deeper going on. And I think we're learning lessons about how to receive stuff from other people and how to receive it with grace and give it with grace. And that's not easy, but you know what? We got to let some stuff roll off our backs in life, man. And we got to try to give the same grace to people who are trying the same way that if we tried and we missed the mark, they would give us grace. And I think that's part of what this chapter is about. I think ultimately we're talking about redemptive suffering and the ultimate redemptive sufferer was Christ. He suffered to redeem us, literally. He is our redeemer. And Christ suffered for us the just for the unjust, to bring us to God, to redeem us. And so that's the bottom line here. Remember that Job points to a greater Job, Jesus, the ultimate redemptive sufferer, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. He did it to redeem at a cost. And I think the book of Job is giving us glimpses into that greater Job, Jesus himself. I pray that you know him. Hey, if you don't know him, he is a prayer away. Cry out to him. Repent of your sin. 
Trust in Jesus today for your salvation. He is faithful to save. Well, I want to invite you to Sunday morning service at Living Truth Christian Fellowship, where I serve as senior pastor. Hey, it's a great church in Corona. It's a church that supports this radio ministry, backs it up with a lot of givers and a lot of people who pray for us. It's really part of our mission as a congregation. And we'd like to invite you out to Living Truth. We do Sundays. We're doing one service right now. The whole church is coming together. It's been so incredible. There is a spirit of revival going on at this fellowship. Hey, we're located at 1009 Arsenal Way in the city of Corona, right off the 91 Freeway and Lincoln Avenue. And if you'd like to sit outside, you feel more comfortable. We have outdoor seating with a screen that's projecting what's happening on the inside. Uh, We'd love for you to join us. If you can't drive out, you can jump on the uh, live stream on our YouTube channel and participate in the service that way. And you can get everything you need, driving directions, information about what's happening for the kids and the teenagers. When you go to walkintruth.com, click on the church tab, walkintruth.com. So glad you're listening. This is Pastor Michael. Have a tremendous weekend, and we will talk to you soon. And don't forget that Walk in Truth is a listener-supported ministry. Your financial partnership helps us broadcast on this station, provide the podcast for free, and helps us do our free apologetic events, too please consider becoming a monthly partner of at least $5 a month. You can donate at walkintruth.com. And join us on Monday, where Pastor Michael Lance's teaching continues in Job chapter 16, called True Comfort. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Have a great weekend. And don't forget, our goal is to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people. 